welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. The beach that you're I feel like on. I should- should be on the beach especially this one it's like a like clear like blue water yeah it looks really pretty i don't know where it is but uh i'm i'm down to go there <laughs> legit <laughs> i guess this this episode i don't have much of a um update considering <laughs> nothing's changed in the past hour nothing's changed in the past hour what <laughs> So we're recording this uh, episode early because Jordan's going to be moving this week and, you know, she's got to take her office apart. And so next weekend, um, she'll be in the thick of moving into her new house. (laughs) Yeah. So um, the only thing I have that we didn't talk about last time, which is kind of fun, is um, I will talk about baby cat. (laughs) Baby cat. (laughs) Baby cat. Uh. So my husband, I finally convinced my husband to maybe get another cat. Mm. And he said, if I find a kitten, I can keep it. And I was like, done. Like I granted it's been 20 years and I never find kittens ever, Mm. ever. I've looked for them. I'm not the person that finds like a million kittens wherever they go. Like, it's just not a thing for me, which is a bummer because I want it to be that way. (laughs) So so anyways, so he said that, and it's funny since then I've seen several kittens, (laughs) but, um, but baby cat, because I don't have a name for baby cat yet other than baby cat. Uh, so I was like sitting in my she shack and I kind of look out and I, and I feed a couple of cats that stay in my backyard just because, I'm a sucker. Um, so there's like two or three cats that are usually in my backyard. And one's like this ancient old cat that I'm like, yeah, you can hang out in my backyard. Nothing's going to eat you. Um, and, uh, so I was looking and I'm like, oh my God, there's a kitten in my backyard. And, uh, it's just probably like, dang it. I know. (laughs) Right. And then I was like, what the heck? So I start like, I saw him a couple of times and then I, we're sitting in our house and I look out like, cause we have a glass uh, screen door and I look and there's two kittens just like sitting on my mat in front of my door. And my cats are like staring at the kittens and I'm like, Oh, hello. And so I, I was like, Kevin, there's kittens. So I grabbed some like cat food and like kind of tossed it at them so they didn't run away and one of them totally was skittish and ran away but the littler one he was like hey and he was like playing on the mat and being just like a goofball kitten so I like kind of opened up the door a little bit and stuck my hand out and he was like playing with my hand and I'm like huh so then I like just opened the door and he just like walks into my house (laughs) I was like oh okay so I pick him up because I'm like please don't just run amok in my house Cause I don't know what cooties you have. Cause you're a kitten from outdoors. Um, so I pick him up and he's just like super chill and like starts mixing muffins in my hands. Is just like looking around being totally adorable. And I was like, all right. So I was like, Kevin, I think, I think I found my, my, our third cat. And he was like, maybe. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, if we're going to do this, like, 
you know, it's like 10 o'clock at night at this point when this is happening. So I was like, shoot, you know, I, I can't do a ton of stuff with them right now. I got to get ready for bed. So I set up our, our, um, shower stall. Mm-hmm. Cause it has like a glass door that just like latches closed. Um, and it's little. And so like, I kind of put the other kittens that I tried in there. And so I was like, let me put him in there and we'll see how he does. And he starts like freaking out, jumping, crying, freaking out. And I was like, oh my God. So I'm like, all right, let me turn off the light see if that calms him down. No, that didn't calm him down. And then the next thing I hear is like, scrabble, 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 boom. And I look and he had climbed out of the shower stall and landed on the floor in my bathroom. And I'm like, this kitten is like little. So I don't even know how he like Spider-Man up the shower door. Right. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) So I pick him up and I'm like, crap, what do I do with him now? So I put him in a carrier and he's like freaking out a little bit in the carrier trying to get out. And he's like smushing his head through like the zipper. And like, I see his eyeballs just all smushed. And I was like, oh my God. I look at Kevin. I'm like, dude, I, I can't like, it's 1030 at this point of craziness. And I'm like, I got to go to work early in the morning. Like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm, and I'm like, I kind of just want to let him go again because he's freaking out. And he, Kevin's like, it's up to you what you want to do. And I was like, all right, well, I think I'm going to have to let him out. So I let him out with his like brother and his mom. And he's like, oh, and he drinks a bunch of water. And he's just like, okay. And I was like, well, if he comes back, he comes back comes back the next night totally just like playing with him and like feeding them treats and he's adorable and a goofball and last night I was waiting but our neighbors were having this crazy party so none of the cats were around and I'm like granted this party didn't stop until like one o'clock in the morning Mm. it was so loud I was like really guys um so yeah so there's baby cat and I'm gonna I'm gonna get baby cat at some point because he's freaking adorable. He's like this little cream and white. I was ask what color like, he was. Tabby color, but has like lilac points. Like he's stupid cute. I'll, I, I can show you a picture, but then I have to share it on social media because you guys listening can't see baby cat. But this is a picture of both of them at my window or at my door with Kissy looking at them. Oh, they're teeny tiny little turds cute little kitties so we're gonna try to try to bamboozle baby cat into living with us (laughs) but he's so stupid and he's like a kitten just like running around being all crazy and oh so the goal is to get baby cat get him some flea medication because he's got fleas pretty sure he has ear mites um and then combo test him make sure he doesn't have bad stuff and then i may have a third cat Yay. I, I tried tried to convince Kevin to get to get big baby cat because that's the other name for the other one because he's a little bigger than baby cat. Um and I was like, they can live in my she jacket. <laughs> and he was like, We're not having four cats. I don't see nice. why not. I mean, yeah, it's a small place, but whatever. It's fine. I have I have a lot of animals. Uh-huh. Because you're crazy. Uh-huh. Oh, we didn't talk about your new new animals yet. Oh shoot, we didn't. <laughs> so you do have an update. <laughs> I do have an update for my birthday. I was gifted some chickens. And by gifted, I mean it was a joint um communication of my husband and I being like, we want chickens. And apparently we couldn't wait one week to go get them. 
So we have baby chickens in the house. There's nine of them. Um, they were staying in my office just just because I'm painting something in the garage. So they live in the garage, but uh, <laughs> for now, until you move, because you couldn't wait until was, after you moved to get baby chickens. I couldn't because I was really worried that the store wouldn't have any more baby chickens. Because they're never going to have baby chickens again. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm an impatient person, okay? Oh, so funny. Jordan's building her farm before she's there. <laughs> I am. Uh, my boss was like, he was talking to me and he was like, what do you want for a housewarming present? And like, dude, without even skipping a beat, like not even thinking, I was like a goat. And he was like, <clears throat> he was like, wow, that was fast. I was like, yeah, I've been thinking about this answer for a while. I was like, I want a goat. <laughs> He's like, male or fe- female. I was like, don't get my hopes up. If you're going to get me a goat, I was like, I was like, I want two males. And he was like, okay. I was like, I swear to God, if you get me some goats, I'm going to like literally never, ever quit. Like, what? <laughs> what kind of goats do you want? I want those little miniature. Like um, the pygmy goats? Yeah. <gasps> oh my God. The pygmy goats are so cute. Yeah. Oh my God. That'd be funny. Your dogs are going to be bigger than your pygmy goats. Yes. But because my dogs are part great Pyrenees, they're going to be very good guard dogs at my farm. <laughs> You're hoping they will be. They will be. They've already met the chickens just accidentally. And they were all like, this is great. They're going to eat one of these baby chicks at some point. You realize that. Probably. All the chickens are named after Jurassic Park characters. Well, Jurassic World characters right now. Oh my God. Because we have Blue, <sighs> Delta, Echo, and Charlie. Um, and then we have Claire and Owen. And then we haven't named the other ones yet. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Yeah, this is what we're talking about this week. Ridiculous animals. <laughs> yep gotta love it (laughs) i'm gonna send i'm gonna post a picture of my new chicken coop when i get it next weekend and i have a chicken coop that's gonna be part of my cat outhouse we haven't set it up yet but we bought it a year and a half ago nice yeah we had some big plans and then life happened (laughs) what so things kind of got put on hold for a little bit but we have a chicken coop that's for cats. So I would like a chicken coop for chickens. <laughs> I would give you mine, but um, it would probably cost too much to ship it to you. Probably. <laughs> but thanks <laughs> for the thought. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so anyhow, oh, one, uh, one last thing before uh, we go. Uh, reminder this coming weekend. So once this goes live, uh, we have our Royal Canon, uh, webinar. If you are interested, you do need to register. So we'll put the link there to register. Um, we are doing normal cat vomiting and normal is in quotes. Uh, there's no such thing. And so Jordan and I are speaking for Royal Canon for their, their technician learning this month. Um, and so if you want to join that is Saturday, August 28th, 2021 at 12 PM central standard time. So definitely, uh, register. And we'll, again, if you're part of our newsletter, hopefully you would have gotten an email from us already. Um, if not, let us know, we can send you the link, but, um, definitely register for that. If you're interested in, in being there. Um, cause yeah, 
why not just do some CE? Um, so wanted to make sure you guys were aware of that before, before we're done with it and you can't join us. Um, and then this week, this week we'll be discussing Von Willebrand's disease, the congenital bleeders. Um, it is not race approved yet, but we're working on that, but you can definitely still use it for self-study. Um, I believe like in the UK, you can definitely use it for your, um, CPD. So that's just something to kind of keep in mind. So Von Willebrand's disease. Have you seen many Von Willebrand's diseases? <laughs> Have you seen many diseases? Have you seen many Von Willebrand's disease patients? How's that? <laughs> no, not really. Um, I think I've seen two. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a ton that have been diagnosed with it. I think I've maybe seen two or three. So Von Willebrand's disease is definitely something we talked about in school. Um, so if you haven't heard of it yet and you're in school, I'm sure you will at some point. So it's abbreviated. Um, it has the small V and then the capital WD. Um, it's an inherited bleeding disorder that is caused by, remember the clotting cascade. Um, it's caused by a lack of the Von Willebrand factor protein. Um, and that is one of the proteins that is circulating in your blood uh, to help with um, clotting. So the way this one works is if you've got a blood vessel injury to control the bleeding, it um, is activated and helps with um, th that protein's activated and it helps the clotting cascade. Um, so it is a distinct disorder. It's not considered hemophilia. It's a, it's a clotting protein disorder. Of the Von Willebrand's factor. <laughs> it's a Von Willebrand's factor. Yes. And there's three variants of Von Willebrand. So there's types one, two, and three. So this is defined by how much of the, how much of the Von Willebrand's factor is affected. So what's the quantity and the structure of the plasma von Willebrand's factor? So within the breeds of dogs, a single form of von <laughs> Willebrand's predominance. I think of traditionally, I think of uh, Doberman Pinschers is kind of like our yeah, the golden child for von Willebrand's. <laughs> yeah, I'm like oh, you're a Dobie. Uh oh. Technically, <laughs> I think it can be what any black or tan breed. <sighs> Yeah. Do they, do we have a list of the breeds? I feel oh, like it's do. just like as a whole, it should be black and tan breeds. Right. I mean, it, there's a ton of different breeds that can be affected by it. Um, so that's just, yes, we think of Doberman Pinschers, but there's a bunch. So I'm going to look at this really quick because this is kind of interesting. So in type one Von Willebrand's disease, all the proteins that are making up the, the Von Willebrand's factor are present, but in small, small amounts, very small amounts. So the common breeds that we see with this is going to be the Doberman Pinscher, Shetland Sheepdog, German Shepherd Dog, and Standard Poodle, which is like, <laughs> which I've only ever seen a what? Doberman, I think. Versus our type two, yeah, the larger proteins, not all the proteins, just the larger proteins that make up the Von Willebrand's factor are completely absent, leaving only the smaller proteins to do the clotting job. Um, this type actually creates more severe bleeding episodes 
and is represented by German short hair pointers and German wire hair pointers. Whoa. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed because I guess I didn't realize, be, I mean, maybe because I don't see Von Willebrand super often, but I didn't realize the three different like types, distinct classes of Von Willebrand's disease. Yeah. Because then there's, yeah. there's type three, which <laughs> there's just no Von Willebrand's factor at all not even the proteins. There's just no Von Willebrand factor at all. Um, and this is the most severe form. And it's usually seen in Scottish Terriers, Chesapeake Bay Retrievers, Shelties, um, which also kind of blows my mind because I feel like Dobermans are the poster child for Von Willebrands, yeah. but they only really get type one. I don't know. I guess it just kind of blows my mind a little. I wonder, I mean, it's, it's, it's so weird because I would think that these, so if you don't have the factors at all, I mean, I would think that these would be puppies that would fail to thrive. Yeah. Like how would you be able to plot? Because yeah. (laughs) So, um, but the crazy thing too, is like over 50 different breeds as well as cats and humans can have type three Von Willebrands, which is crazy. Um, and yeah, (laughs) I'm just like, what? So, um, so basically the, the, so Von Willebrand's itself, the factors, um, it's an essential role in primary hemostasis. Um, so if you remember your clotting cascade, this is the primary part. Um, it's important to help the platelets adhere to things. It spreads onto the subendothelial within the, um, the tissues and it helps with platelet aggregation. So it helps form the clot. Um, so what happens is, you know, when we're talking about the clot, the Von Willebrands is basically the, the glue or the bridge that holds the platelets, the subendothelium and the fibrin and fibrin together. Um, so it's, it's the brick, like if we're thinking brick and mortars, like platelets and stuff like that is the brick, this is the mortar holding it all together. It's a complex protein. So there's a lot of things that that form this protein. So again, we talked about the larger molecules versus smaller molecules. Um, And this is, it's, it's produced both by platelets as well as the cells that line the endothelial um, endothelium of blood vessels, which makes kind of sense. So it's more acts like, I mean, like, I know we said like a glue, but like a magnet, because if it lines the the cells within vessels, and it, uh, it's produced by platelets. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So basically when a blood vessel tears and that bleeding occurs, it, it helps release that the, the Von Willebrands. So the platelets are called to that area. Cause remember you, we talked about, um, we, we talked about, about a this. magic school bus episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we talked about this definitely in the, the, the coags and the clotting, episodes. So the, the, the platelets come to that area, they plug that hole kind of as a very quick band-aid. And then once those platelets are there, we have the cascade of, of clotting factors that, that are activated. But um, so Yvonne, as part of that, yeah. Why? How do, how do the platelets stay in that spot of damage? <laughs> I don't know, Jordan. How do they stay in that spot of the <laughs> Really? <laughs> well, you brought so, it up. <laughs> I know. I was just trying to be cheesy. 
Uh, so what Von Willebrand's factor school bus comes along? Yes, the magic mm-hmm. school bus comes along. Von Willebrand's factor gets out of the magic school bus and <laughs> lays down basically itself, which is the glue, just to hold the platelets together um, and holding them onto the surface of the torn blood vessel. <laughs> yep. Yep. It so Von Willebrand's factor also helps to stabilize clotting factor eight. And that is also one of the proteins involved in uh, forming the fibrin clot. So again, it's very important in the clotting cascade, which is why if it's missing or in low concentrations, patients bleed. That's why we do blood work before we spay and neuter things. Okay. It's one of the reasons. So unfortunately, when there's something wrong with the von Willebrand's factor, those platelets don't stick together properly or appropriately, and then prolonged bleeding occurs. So these are, these are, because again, this is congenital, like it's genetic. It's not like they develop it. (laughs) They have it from the time they're born. So the problem is, is that you know, these, these puppies and kittens, cause kittens can get it, although it's very rare, but the puppies will just say puppies for this. Um, they'll get spontaneous bleeding that sometimes happens like nose, mouth, urinary, reproductive tracts, intestinal tract. Um, you'll see, especially cause again, I think of, of, um, Doberman's, you know, we've got tail docking, dew claw removal, mm. Um, or when they're teething, you'll just see excessing excessive bleeding. Um, so that's one of those things. Like if you hear a client call in and they say, Hey, my, my puppy's bleeding quite a bit. It's a good idea for them to be checked out and just make sure that they have, you know, appropriate Von Willebrand's factor. Um, if they're less severely affected, so, you know, they have some, but not all of it then they may not have issues with like teething or stuff like that, but then you'll all of a sudden see it, um, in surgery or trauma that then they'll have abnormal bleeding. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we don't know necessarily, and we don't routinely test for one Von Willebrand's in like puppies, Mm -hmm. unless we have a high suspicion. The other thing that's kind of interesting is if you've got stress conditions such as viral or bacterial infections or hormone fluctuations like heat cycles, pregnancy, other endocrine disorders, um, they can actually exacerbate the signs of hemorrhage in these dogs that are affected with von Willebrand's. Um, so it could be that you don't see it until there's an issue, right? And then, um, the other weird thing is we don't typically see petechia in these dogs, mm-hmm. but we'll see other kind of breed uh, bleeding issues. So I feel like a lot of times these dogs get that scleral hemorrhage, um, as well as like gum bleeding and stuff like that. But yeah, I agree that we don't really see like petechiation or anything like yeah. that. I feel like the ones that I've seen have been like post spay or post neuter. I've seen one that was, <clears throat> came in for scleral hemorrhage mm. and it was like a nine month old Doberman who, who hadn't been spayed or neutered yet. Mm. You know, it, I was just thinking about this. I wonder if some of those patients that get scrotal hematomas post-op. Yeah. I wonder if this plays into it at all. Oh, I bet you you're right because it probably does. We just because go, it's Oh, like, it's not Adobe. We don't even think about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree huh. that it, it very potentially could be because it's like they can still claw. It just doesn't takes a lot longer. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. There's there's a study that you could potentially look at is how many post neuter scrotal hematomas have issues with von Willebrand's factor. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, huh. especially because there's the three different types. I mean, obviously I feel like type three we might test for, but yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I feel hmm. like this is something that we should test more for. Yeah. It, I think it'd be interesting, especially because there's so many mixed breeds too, mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you don't really know <laughs> what they are. And they could easily be one of these other ones that we don't think is classically Von Willebrand's. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like a German short hair pointer. <laughs> yeah. I definitely wouldn't have thought of that. So when we're for diagnostics, so since we're talking about diagnostics, we typically, what we do is we're going to measure the Von Willebrand's factor in a blood sample. Um, and so we compare how much is in normal dogs. Um, and then they're, they're kind of, they're, they're deemed, you know, like by percentages, like what that is. So normal is considered, which is funny. Normal is considered between 70 to 180%. So it is possible for them to be greater than normal because we're looking at a normal dog. Borderline is considered 50 to 69% of normal dogs. Right. And then abnormal is less than 49%. Um, so I think that's, I think that's something that we should just like, if we're looking at it, we should look to see, okay, where are we in this? And if you have an abnormal Von Willebrand's factor dog, um, they're going to be at risk for bleeding. So that's something just that the owners need to be aware of going forward. If they need to have any surgical procedures, you know, having, having treatment, like pre-treatments and stuff like that on board is a good idea and just be very careful. And these, these, these animals should not be bred, right? Because it is genetic. So we don't want to keep passing it on. It's so this is crazy. And like, I mean, it makes sense, but it's kind of crazy. So a dog may test differently on different days. So when the blood is drawn from different veins, or when the dog is excited, or if the dog is pregnant. So if you have a suspicious patient, you may need to do the test several times at different days and circumstances to really get a true representation of what's going on, which is crazy. Cause honestly, I would just test one time. Clients would love that. I'm sure they'll be like, well, you know, actually we should test again now because we can't really tell when it's going to be low. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the problem with that kind of testing with the percentages, it doesn't actually tell us what type of Von Willebrand's disease the dog has. So we would need to kind of do further testing. And, and one of those techniques is called electrophoresis. Um, and so that's going to be able to know what type of Von Willebrand's it is. Is it type one, two, or three? Um, it doesn't really change how we treat for it. Um, so we don't always do this test. 
Um, one of the big things that we kind of think about when we're testing for Von Willow brands is a BMBT, um, because that helps us to understand, you know, how severely is our clotting time affected? Um, and so usually we do our BMBT, um, and it should be less than four minutes. Uh, and that helps us let, let us know that the clot formation, um, is normal. Um, you can also do the VCM or the tag, um, that can help as well, but the BMBT really is, um, kind of the gold standard for these guys, um, especially prior to surgery. Unfortunately for treatment, it's not like we can just get Von Willebrand's factor from a blood bank. That'd be amazing um, if we could. <laughs> right? These patients can get cryoprecipitate. It is rich in Von Willebrand's, and so it can definitely be used for these patients. We, I remember the, the one or two patients I had a while ago, the owners actually purchased the cryoprecipitate and then just had it in case the pet needed it. So like if there was an emergency situation or you needed surgery. Um, so that's, that's something that, you know, you could potentially talk to clients about, about getting it. Or, you know, if, if you want to store it in your hospital for that patient, you can, the next best thing is plasma. So complete plasma. Um, this is not going to be your fresh or this is your fresh frozen, not your frozen plasma. Mm -hmm. Um, and we typically want to do, I mean, we prefer cryo over plasma, but we want to make sure that this happens prior to surgery and it's good for about four hours after administration, as far as like when we'll start seeing changes. I was interested to find out that there's another treatment that I guess I didn't realize we could use for Von Willebrand's until we did these notes. I know, um, right? I was like, we can, but yeah, <laughs> so you can actually use a hormone that we use to usually typically treat to, uh, diabetes insipidus. So it's DDAVP or Desmopressin acetate. It seems to be helpful when used to cause like a sudden release of von Willebrand's factor into the bloodstream. Uh, there's, a, there's a 30 minute activation period um, and the use of desmopressin shortens the bleeding time for approximately two to four hours after giving an injection of DDAVP. Um, wow. Typically only works for dogs with type one. So not all dogs with type one or well, not all dogs with type one will respond, but type two and type three typically won't respond. So it only works for some with type one. Right. Which makes sense because type one is the one that has all the factors. It's just in smaller quantities. So it makes sense that it's not going to work for the other types because they just don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> so like you can't release something you just don't have. <laughs> That's why. Right. <laughs> I just find it interesting that I guess I didn't realize there's another use for desmopressin. Right. I don't know if I've ever heard of it, but I think that's one of those things, like, unless you know what type Von Willebrand you're dealing with, do you risk it? <laughs> like, do you, do you risk it potentially being a type two or type three if, if, and, and use it, you know? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I guess you could. 
I guess you could test it before. Like if you know, you're going to have a major surgery, you know, I wonder if you could do something like, um, as part of your pre-op workup, be like, okay, we're going to give DDA VP and we're going to like do a BMBT and see if it's different. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I I wonder how, like how long it takes to get those factors back. You know what I mean? Like 30 minutes. Yeah. But I mean, so that, that uses it, but then once you've done that, like how long does it take to replenish the supply that you just released? You know what I mean? Like, like, do you have to wait a week before you can do it again? Oh, I see what you're saying. I I see what you're saying. Yeah. We're okay. Yeah. I get what you're saying now. Cause I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Huh? So, I mean, I guess with Von Willebrand's, it's one of those things where I think we should probably be looking at more patients than we do. Um, You know, it's not super common, but it it can be potentially more common than we think. With client communication, I I think it's really important. Like once you've you've identified a Von Willebrand's factor, clients need to understand what that means, right? So they need to understand, they need to be very aware of potential bleeding issues or trauma that can happen and what to do about it. Um, you know, like a torn dew clock potentially could cause some major problems if you've got a Von Willebrand's patient. Um, so it's just, you know, making sure that they understand that things are going to be more emergent for them versus a normal dog without Von Willebrand's disease. Heck yeah. Tip of the week. Well, I think for tip of the week this week is don't assume that it's just black and tan dogs that get Von Willebrand's. <laughs> right? <laughs> I definitely learned a lot more breeds to get Von Willebrand's disease than I thought. Isn't that not crazy? not just Yeah, it's crazy when you look at, well, when we do research on these diseases and we're like, oh, it's not just the poster child. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I think it'd be interesting to see, is this, it's the tip of the week. You should add it into your standard, like puppy pre-op exam. I don't know. Like, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, cause they have, they have those pre-anesthetic panels already like made through. I mean, I think I remember one at IDEX and it had clotting times as well as Von Willebrand's factor. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, do you draw the blood during your puppy exam and then schedule your spay and neuter for some other day? Right. And, and cause you're, you're the stuff you send out to the lab, you're going to get more information anyways, than your in-house lab work. And it, and it, you know, not everybody's going to want to do it, but they, they should be given that option so that, you know, it's, especially nowadays that a lot of clients have insurance. Um, so I think that's something that we could look at is kind of revamping how we think of things and, and say, you know, here's our, here's our gold standard pre spay or puppy workup stuff. Like we recommend a full blood panel, Um, We recommend, you know, testing for Von Willebrand's just to make sure, you know, is there some other congenital disease that we want to test for 
you know, yes, we do FVL, FIV, but I mean, do we do anything else for like puppies? You know, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder yeah. if that's something that we say, this is gold standard. Here's level two, here's level three. Like you let us know which one you can afford and which one you want us to do. Yeah. But then I wonder too, if there's some of those people who like, because like, I guess the majority of cases, if they do bleed, it might be like a mild, just. Mm-hmm. But how many clients would actually do the cryo precipitate prior to anesthesia or surgery? I don't know. But I mean, honestly, that might be like something where they get the option and be like, Hey, you know, your, your pet is potentially at a higher risk of bleeding because we know it has this. So we can do this to help prevent some of that bleeding. I don't know. I mean, and again, if they have insurance, then it shouldn't matter. Then it shouldn't matter. And again, you know, we should be talking to clients about insurance. Yeah. So anyways, interesting, interesting food for thought. So it's another it's another one that gets us overthinking a little. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, you know, cause it's like, you don't want to do overkill, but at the same time, like I, I do wonder how many of these cases we might be missing because it's just the mild bleeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. That just makes me like, have like another conversation in my head about a lot of things that is not this episode. <laughs> Hold so. on. Let me overthink this. That's how it goes. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, question of the week, I guess, is what breeds of dogs have you seen this in? Have you ever yes. seen it in a cat? Because apparently a cat can also have it, which is crazy. So. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for this episode. It was a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, Jordan, I know you're probably in the middle of packing and actually moving as this goes live. Yes. Don't hurt yourself. And now for the question of the week. Guarantees. <laughs> Wear your proper PPE while moving. <laughs> what are the, like, it's whatever baseball catchers wear. I think that's <laughs> like, it's just the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, back brace, knee braces, gloves, safety yeah. goggles, <laughs> long sleeves, long sleeves in the heat, a fan ice packs just sounds i have one of those cool colors for the dogs i'll just put it on my neck put that on uh well um all right well i have fun moving and uh it'll be exciting because the next time we record you'll be in your new office yeah i'm not even sure which room is your office yet uh i haven't fully decided but i think shocker it spoiler alert it might be the blue room Oh, nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be, it'll be fun. I'm so excited to move. It'll be, I can't wait for you to be like settled in. Me too. Just like, okay, we're here. Yeah. Me too. And then I'm going to have to come out and see your new place. Definitely. (laughs) At some point. Yes, absolutely. (sighs) After I come to you, obviously. I know. Right. (laughs) I know that's going to be soon. Like when we're actually recording this, it'll be a month. Yeah. By the time this goes live, it'll be two weeks. Yeah. 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 I'm so excited. It's not that far away. I know. 
All right. Well, um, you guys have a wonderful week. If you can join us this coming weekend, August 28th for the Royal Canaan webinar, we'd love you to join us. Um, make sure to register ahead of time. And um, anything else we need to talk about before we head out for the week? Mm, I don't think so. All right. Well, everybody have a wonderful week. Keep getting your learn on, keep being the amazing rock star technicians that you are. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. 28th for the Royal Canon webinar. We'd love you to join us. Um, make sure to register ahead of time. And um, anything else we need to talk about before we head out for the week? Mm, I don't think so. Well, everybody have a wonderful week. Keep getting your learn on, keep being the amazing rock star technicians that you are. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.